Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to episode number 174 of the Draft Analysts, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Tripodi, and I'm joined by Tony Pauline, as always. And we are well into February here, a time when we'd normally be preparing for the NFL Combine. But alas, that won't be happening this year. But what will be happening is another NFL Draft Prospect interview for you all on today's show. This week's guest is Senior Bowl standout Quinn Miners, the offensive lineman, from Wisconsin Whitewater, who dominated the headlines in Mobile with his play and his style choices after he didn't get a chance to play this season in 2020. This should be a fun one, Tony. Absolutely should. And like you said, I mean, he, he did more than dominate. I mean, he was the st- basically the star of the show down there, not only because only a few people outside the scouting community, like myself, knew who he was going into the uh, Senior Bowl week, uh, but but just everything, you know, the the the, the short uh, jersey, if you would, and, and the way he just pummeled people day after day during practice. Now we'll get to this week's show and our interview with Quinn Miners in just a minute. But first, a word from our sponsor. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. And the only place you should be betting on these sports is at betonline.ag. And with that being said, Tony, there are always futures bets. The Chiefs are a little more than 5-1 to one to win next year's Super Bowl, with Tampa right behind at 7-1. to one. And it seems like that would leave some value for another team in the betting odds, since we know a rematch is highly unlikely. And that would be the New York Jets, who I'm sure <laughs> are probably somewhere around 700-1. to one. If you got 10 or 20 bucks, a little bit more, throw it down on the Jets at, at betonline.ag. Who knows? You may have some. You may end up with early retirement. In addition to sports, Bet Online covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, and has hundreds of props with real-time odds on most anything you can imagine. And of course, my go-to, the 24-hour online casino. Head to the website or use our mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your sportsbook experts. Now, it's our pleasure to welcome onto today's show offensive lineman Quinn Miners from Wisconsin Whitewater, one of the stars and fashion icons of January Senior Bowl. Quinn, welcome to the Draft Analyst, and thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you guys for, uh, for having me. I'm excited to see what you guys got. Quinn, it's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, I was there last week, or a week and a half ago, I should say, at Senior Bowl practices, and I got to tell you, I've been going to senior bowl practices since 2000. In fact, I've missed just one padded practice since 2000. And that was only because they pulled it into the uh, covered facility and they only let a few people in. And, and I was thinking about this before the podcast, I've seen some dominant performances. And, and as far as offensive linemen are concerned, yours is right up there with Ali Marpet, who won a Super Bowl on Sunday, as well as Joel Petonio, uh, two guys who were lesser known, especially Ali Marpet. Uh, but you absolutely blew everybody away at the senior bowl. And, you know, you were not a well-known name outside of scouting circles. I had you graded before the season, but we'll get into that uh, later on in the podcast. Yeah. I, I had a lot of fun at the, at the senior bowl. Uh, yeah. It was cool to be able to finally put the pads back on and 
uh, show what I can do and what I've been working on. Absolutely. And we're going to kind of take you back here to start off and we're going to look at what you were in high school. Cause in addition to football, you participated in both track and field and wrestling. And now obviously wrestling has plenty of parallels to offensive line play. What would you say was the biggest advantage that wrestling gave you on the football field? Yeah, with, with wrestling, I think there's tons of, you know, understanding your body position and, you know, hand fighting is also a big part of, of wrestling. And uh, to me, for me, like, especially in high school, it translated really well because whenever I was going up to the next level to linebackers, you know, a typical move for a linebacker was to try to like, like throw me off or <clears throat> maybe do like an underhook kind of thing. And I was able to easily counter that. Um, yeah. So with, yeah, with wrestling, I was able to, you know, understand leverage and, you know, when linebackers are, you know, trying to do certain things, I was able to counter with, I mean, some, sometimes if you, if you were looking at um, the film, I was actually almost wrestling sometimes. <laughs> now you also participated in track and field and I, myself, I actually trained for the Olympic decathlon for 11 years. So I, I got to ask you, you know, what events in track and field did you participate? I got to assume it was the 3000 meter steeplechase, correct? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that was all me. No, but uh, yeah, I was a thrower, you know, been a big guy and, uh, yeah, so a shot put discus and uh, the occasional uh, big man relay that was that was held at some of the meets. What were your marks like in the shot in the, in the disc? Yeah, my farthest uh, shot put uh, was like 55 wow. something. And uh, with discus, I was uh, I threw a 146 was my best. When you threw shot, was it uh, did you slide across or did you spin? Uh, I kind of I taught myself how to spin. So I, I was an, initially a glider when I first started and as I kind of like plateaued with my distance, I realized that I could get a lot more power out of the spin. Got to get that left foot down, right? Yes. The whole key. Now, obviously you grew up in Wisconsin. Were you a Packers fan growing up? Uh, for a lot of the time I was a Packers fan growing up and um, I ended up doing like a, like a little bit of a, a research paper on an athlete and I, I chose to do Tom Brady and I, I instantly became a fan of, of, you know, his story and how he's, been able to be successful besides Tom Brady were there any other uh players or athletes football or otherwise that you idolized growing up um yeah like growing up I mean it was Brett Favre and the, it was just mainly, mainly quarterbacks growing up but I've really <clears throat> as I've been you know embracing a lot more offensive line stuff I've been watching a lot more offensive line film the past you know three, four years. And now you stayed pretty close to home college-wise going to Wisconsin-Whitewater. What made you choose to go there? And did you have any offers from other schools? Were there any maybe Big Ten or Mac schools interested in you? Or was it strictly kind of D3? Yeah, so I, I had no no Division One offers. I had one Division Two offer at St. Cloud State. And then, I, you know, a handful of Division Three, you know, with uh, Wisconsin-Whitewater and uh, lacrosse. And after, you know, those are my three options and, you know, uh, whitewater made the most sense for me. Why whitewater over St. Cloud? Uh, St. Cloud, you know, it was after kind of, I'm, you know, a pros and cons kind of list. And, you know, some of the things that was, I didn't really like was how far away it was. Um, they were going to redshirt me right away. And the, the scholarship that they were offering uh, was like, $2,000, something like that. And it didn't really make sense to do that. 
because it was pretty much the same thing as, as Whitewater. So it just made more sense because I was Whitewater was closer to home and I, I enjoy going back home. And uh, yeah. Now you, you make your decision to go to Wisconsin Whitewater. You, you, you get there as a freshman. Did you ever think or, you know, have a, a real belief that you'd end up as a NFL draft pick some four or five years later? <laughs> no, <laughs> my, uh, <clears throat> my thing was I got, you know, when I came in as a freshman, my mentality was, well, I got four more years of football left. And uh, once I kind of, you know, was at, at peace with that, it was like, all right, well, I'm going to be the, I'm going to try to become the best football player I can in the next four years. And I, my, all of my goals were towards, were towards that. And now you mentioned St. Cloud wanting to redshirt you and a big reason, um, you know, what pushed you towards Wisconsin Whitewater. You did play a couple games as a freshman, ended up breaking into the starting lineup as a sophomore, and you were actually named a National Strength and Conditioning All-American for, quote, commitment to strength and conditioning. Uh, how does an award like that even come about? I would say you know, an award like that is just, you know, you know, showing up early, constantly putting in the work, you know, always coming into the gym with a, you know, a growth, growth mindset and, you know, doing whatever it takes to, to, you know, get better. You know, it, it, it definitely helped that I had, you know, a lot of numbers that were just kept increasing. I was getting, you know, a lot stronger, a lot faster, able to, you know, jump a lot further and higher. And just a lot of those things were getting better. And that was just because of my, you know, commitment to getting better. What, what kind of, uh, tests or, or what are you doing in the, in the strength and conditioning? I mean, is it a 40? Is it a bench press? Is it a clean and jerk? What, what goes into that? Well, with the, the award, it's not like you do this and you're a strength and conditioning all American. It's, it's kind of what I was describing before where it's more of like how you are in the weight room, but like success also is, is part of it. So like I, I was able to have a, I, I squatted a, a lot of weight, um, uh, 675 pounds, I believe, the, the off season of my sophomore year. But yeah, it's not like any like specific things you have to check off. It's just the uh, the strength and conditioning coach kind of uh, determines just based off of how you're acting in there every day. You got it. So now you're, you're a national strength and conditioning all American, and you're you, you're also a first team all conference uh, as a player at, White, at Wisconsin Whitewater. Then you become an all American as a junior, when did it start to click that NFL scouts may have been coming to Wisconsin whitewater, coming to the games, coming to practices just to watch you? I would, yeah, I would say the, you know, the first, you know, idea that I had of you know, maybe there's an opportunity here to play in the NFL. It was around, I think February, I believe. And that was kind of when we had like a, like a junior, like a spring pro day. I don't know. I don't know what it's called. It was like some type of junior day or something like that. And they, and they used to call it junior timing day, but you don't run the 40 anymore. You, you, they just measure you. I, you may have run the 40, but it, it's, it's traditionally known as junior timing day. They would measure the juniors and they would sometimes run the 40. Yeah. So that was, so that, that thing, I actually did end up running the 40. Uh, yeah. So I got, you know, measured, I did a wonder Lake test. And, you know, it was really cool to get in, you know, invited to that. I mean, it was at, um, my, uh, at, it was actually at Whitewater and hosted at Whitewater. So that was, that was kind of the first, you know, real, you know, real thing happening, you know, where like there's a real opportunity here to, you know, play in the NFL. Let me so, ask you, did you yeah. know before 
the season was supposed to start moving towards the fall of 2020. Did you know that NFL scouts have put a draftable grade on you that NFL scouts had said, Hey, listen, at this point in time, we perceive Quinn Miners to be a, a late round pick. That wasn't something I, I found out. That was actually something that uh, Ron called me. I was actually, I was at my, I was at my girlfriend's house and, you know, uh, Ron gave me a call. And, you know, he was, he was hearing from scouts that you know, I, I was getting a draftable grade. And that was something that was really cool to hear, you know, with, you know, I didn't really know how good or, or not good I was. So to be able to kind of hear that type of recognition coming from the NFL was a, kind of a surreal moment. And when you say Ron, of course, we're talking about your agent, Wisconsin whitewater legend, Ron Slavin. So uh, <laughs> people out there know. Yes, sir. <laughs> now, Quinn, obviously, no 2020 season for you guys in division three due to COVID-19. What were your feelings when you found out that you weren't going to get to build off of that great 2019 campaign we talked about? Yeah, it was, that was one of the you know toughest things I had to hear. Uh, it was something I thought I would never, was never going to have to hear, uh, you know, that, Hey, you know, we were all on that zoom call and uh, uh, coach Bowles told us that we weren't going to be able to have a, a 2020 season. And, you know, I, I had a lot of, I had a lot of goals that were, you know, team goals, personal goals, um, you know, for the, ne the next season, you know, we didn't finish the way we wanted to, you know, we got, ended up getting to the national championship, which was awesome, but, you know, we didn't get the job done. Uh, I wanted to keep progressing as a leader and as a football player. And, you know, it was just all kind of cut a little bit shorter. Let me ask you this. You find out disappointingly that the 2020 season is going to be canceled. Was there any chance for you to transfer to another school? Did you explore that at all to play uh, football last season? <clears throat> I explored all, all, you know, opportunities and chances or just any idea. So I, I kind of, at the end of the day, it was kind of boiled down to a couple of options. So yeah, transferring was, was one of them. I, I didn't decide to do that. You know, transferring was never kind of, what I wanted to do, it, the transfer portal just seemed messy just from looking at it on, on social media. And I, I don't know, it almost felt like betraying, you know, Whitewater, like to go to transfer to a different school. Like I was just, you know, super loyal. Like, why would I transfer to a division one school now when they didn't want me in the beginning anyways? So that was a big point of, of going to Whitewater is going to a school that, you know, that wanted me. And yeah, th so there are a couple other options. So that was, you know, come back uh, next year uh, to, and play at Whitewater for 2021 or declare. And that was and declaring was the best option for me. Now, kind of along a similar line, what was the thought process behind making the decision between returning to Whitewater for 2021 or turning pro for the NFL draft? <clears throat> yeah. The, the turning point with that idea <clears throat> was, you know, if there was some type of, of closure that I could tell that was happening with, with COVID that maybe I would have come back for another season, but I couldn't, you can't, the, just the way the things were going, you know, I kind of thought was like, well, if we're not having a 2020 season, you know, what's the, with the trajectory, what's stopping, you know, from them canceling another season, you know, that was, and then that would be two years away from the game. And, you know, with, with a lot of conversations that I had with people, it, it just made the most sense to declare. So basically the overriding factor was the, the, the concern that there may not have been a, two, uh, a 2021 season for you guys. 
yeah, that was definitely one of the, the, the things for me. And I just kind of had a lot, a lot of information, you know, to make the best, to make the best decision. So, and, and, you know, Ron was, was a big help with providing that type of information. And the fact that, you know, we've seen so many of these small school programs that had actually initially postponed their 2020 seasons to the spring of 2021. Now we're canceling uh, playing that, that delayed start of season, I think bodes well for the decision that you made. It, it definitely, see, it definitely seems like now, you know, have, when you have, you know, the hindsight that it, I definitely did make the, the correct decision and, you know, it always feels good to make the right decision, especially when something like this, you only got real one shot at it. So, yeah. Now there've been a lot of videos of your unusual workout routine. What did you do to keep in shape during the season? Yeah, during the season, I mean, I think it's kind of the normal process that anybody does in college where it was, you know, get up early in the morning and, you know, do your do your lifting, go to class, you know, go to the training room if you got treatment throughout the day, get taped up, go to meetings and start practice. So I wouldn't say during the season was anything, you know, different from a normal kind of college style of football. Let's go back before the senior bowl even started. What, at what point in time did the senior bowl staff or Jim Nagy, did they reach out to you with an invitation uh, for the senior bowl? And, and what did you think, what were you thinking when you found out, you know, you're going to go to the senior bowl and eventually start to play some football uh, after the layoff? <clears throat> yeah. Was, uh, the senior bowl was a, a huge goal for, you know, for me for the last you know year. And it was like two weeks before the senior bowl uh, started that I actually got the call from, uh, fr- call from Jim Nagy and I didn't even know it was him uh, that called because I, he called me during one of my workouts here and so I didn't respond to it and then when I was looking through my phone after the workout uh, you know Ron texted me and he said hey call that Arizona number back so I called that Arizona number back and it was like oh hey Quinn like how you doing and I was like oh, I'm doing good uh, I'm sorry but I don't know who I'm talking to <laughs> and uh, he goes ah it's, it's, it's uh, Jim Nagy and I, I was, are you ready to put your Warhawk helmet on like, you know, one last time? And, and that, that was a, a very emotional moment. I you know, kind of broke down in tears and I was just so, you know, all that hard work for so long paid off and I finally got that invite and it was a, it was a really, you know, special moment that I'll never forget. Now, had you been at a training facility before you got the call that officially invited you to the senior bowl? I know you said you're at Exos now, but what about them? Yeah, I've been at Exos now for, for a while. So, yeah, I was, I was at Exos uh, training. What was the senior ball experience like for you this season, considering that it was run a bit differently uh, due to the pandemic? Was, was it uh, uh, very much uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, basically – straight and narrow because of, because of the COVID uh, because of the pandemic or what was the entire experience like? I had, I had a blast with the experience, you know, obviously, you know, it wasn't, you know, the, I guess the normal experience that most, you know, people would like do, but I don't really know what the previous experience is anyway. So I just knew whatever that was. And I, I had a blast, you know, I, you know, it was a lot of hard work, you know, kind of every emotion, in the book was, was gone through that week. And yeah, I would say overall, I just had a blast and I probably had, you know, 
I just had a great experience. Now, was Mobile, Alabama kind of a bit of a culture shock for you in any way? I, I wouldn't say because I didn't really get to experience any of it, to be honest. It was hotel, convention center, or practice. So I guess not really because I've been, uh, you know, I guess down south in Texas. So I'm not really – I don't know. I guess I wasn't able to see, um, I guess, what Alabama – or Mobile, Alabama was all about, but it was cool to be, um, our hotel kind of looked over the port, which is kind of cool to see ships come in and out. Now let's go to, let's go to the practices. You dominated every day of practice at both center and guard. Did you have any experience playing center at college? Because when I watched you on film before the season began off the 2019 uh, campaign, it was primarily a guard. Yeah, so for game film, I only have left guard game film. Uh, with center, I mean, I there was a couple of practices that we had at Whitewater this past fall, and so like my, my actual like real live reps were my first live reps were at the Senior Bowl at center, <laughs> and I knew the night before practice that I was only playing center. <laughs> and from what I remember, you that was the uh, I think center was the day you you annihilated Taquan Graham of Texas. Uh, if I, if I remember, I think a diggy Zua was w w when you lined up at guard, I may be mistaken on that. I had a, I think I had a handful of plays that I got a lot of, I think I'm pretty sure I got every single one of our DTs at least once at center, but yeah. Now, who would you say was the toughest defender that you faced all week and what made him so tough? I would definitely have to say, uh, Osa from UCLA. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, so I'm just. Odigizua. Odigizua. There you go. Uh, yeah, he, he was he was by far the best defensive lineman, and, and it showed that not only I thought that, but the rest of the guys did because he won defensive line of the week for our team. Uh, I would say a characteristic that um, he was really good at was was you know really firing off the ball, and that was something I I learned you know very quickly with, at center was anticipating the snap a little bit better, so that way you know I I'm supposed to have the advantage of you know, knowing the snap count and stuff like that. So I was, I was challenged early with how fast he was able to get off the ball, especially because a lot of my job, you know, during the week was to be able to try to like reach him or, or something like that. And it was, it was, a, it was I had a lot of fun battling with him. Now you, you mentioned a Diggy Zoo and his ability to fire off the snap. Let's talk about another skill. Was there anybody that you faced off at, during senior ball practices who just showed great power? You know, someone that when they lined up uh, against you, you're like, okay, I got to bear down now. I'm, I'm really going to have to anchor rather than adjust to move around. <clears throat> I would say, I think it shows in one of my reps against, I'm not sure what his name was from Notre, uh, from Notre Dame. Uh, I think it was a left guard rep that I had. You know, it was a little unfair in the one-on-one, -on -one, but he was like kind of lined up in a two-point stance at like a four-eye, which is just – it's already difficult when one-on-ones is an offensive lineman to win, but he kind of was able to, you know, get two, three steps in and, and uh, hit me pretty good. But I, I have pretty solid, uh, you know, hip, knee and ankle mobility to kind of absorb that. So I think he had a, he had a solid uh, bull rush power move. Now, despite your protests, Miami Dolphins coach Brian Flores would not allow you to play because of a hand injury. Can you kind of fill us in on the details of what exactly that injury is? <clears throat> yeah, I broke uh, the fourth metacarpal in my right hand. Uh, I don't really 
know how it happened, but it happened during, I think it happened during our, one of our indie drills. My finger kind of got caught in a pad as I was going to block it. And I taped it up for practice and kept practicing through it. And after practice, I was like, okay, my hand is really red and it's kind of ballooning up a little bit, time to get an x-ray. So I got the x-ray and uh, that was what happened. And yeah, I definitely tried as hard as I could to uh, play in the game on Saturday. Now, has that injury interrupted any of your bench press training or anything else as you get ready for your pro day? <clears throat> a little bit, but, uh, you know, with any situation, you kind of learn to adapt to whatever you got to do. So I'm just, I'm just doing uh, workouts in a different way to be able to still get, you know, high intensity work done, but also not hurt myself. Now, I got to ask you this because our listeners may be mad if I didn't. What's the deal with the jersey over your stomach? Is that like a, a, a new fashion statement? Kind of reminds me of when I got to wear a mask and the mask uh, somehow purposely creeps below my nose all the time. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I, I've, been, I've been rocking the gut out since, since high school. Um, and I've, I've got the nickname, the gut in high school and also at uh, Whitewater in college. So that's just how I've always practiced. I, I didn't really think anything of it just because like I was just being myself to be honest. And it, it turned out that the, the media, you know, really liked it and the people liked it. Uh, so I, I don't really have much to say about it. Just that I was just being myself at practice. Good. Now, do you have a special diet to get that look? <laughs> to be honest, I've always had it. I don't know why. Like I've been eating really clean for a really long time. I, my body fat percentage is pretty low. You know, coming into the week, I was 320 pounds and right around 14% body fat. So, like, I'm not – I just – I don't know. I guess I have a – I don't know. I guess I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> I'll, I'll take you off the hook here, Quinn. Uh, was, was there any particular team or teams that took great interest in you during Senior Bowl week? Any that, you know, kind of made you think, hey, maybe this team might end up drafting me? One particular team, uh, not really. I think the only thing, you know, because during the, the week, you know, we did have interviews with every with every team, but you know, there were kind of there were just fifteen minute interviews, and it was once the bell rang, go to the next table. So it was just kind of get in and get out. But I guess the, to answer that question, I would just say the the Eagles were, seemed like they had the most interest, and that and I'll only say that just because of on Friday we had like a a, a chunk of time that was allotted for teams to bring in people for extra interviews. So I did get an extra interview with the Eagles. So I guess if there was, that's, I guess that's my reasoning of why I would say that. Yeah. You're definitely an Eagles type of lineman. And you know, the, those 15 minute interviews is how they do it at the combine. And uh, one of the things that the senior bowl has done over the years was try and make the interview process like the combine. So these teams can uh, knock a lot of these senior interviews out or interviews with seniors out uh, at the senior bowl rather than doing it at the combine. And, you know, that's why the senior bowl this year was so important because you're not going to have those interviews at the combine. Granted, you'll have a lot of uh, zoom meetings, which I'm sure you already have had a lot of zoom meetings, but uh, they, they make those, those 15 minute interviews are basically to mirror what goes on at the combine. And that's why with no combine this year, that's why the senior bowl was uh, so important this year. Now I got to ask you, I believe traditionally, the Wisconsin Whitewater Pro Day usually takes place at the Wisconsin Badgers facility. Am I correct in that? Well, I would say, um, like, if there's, like, a small school player like from Division Three or, or Whitewater, 
if they have enough following that they would get an invite to the Badgers Pro Day. But other than that, usually there's like a, a Whitewater Pro Day can happen at Whitewater. So what is the situation for you? Will you be working out at a Whitewater Pro Day or a Wisconsin Badgers Pro Day or both? Uh, right now, I don't really have a, a clear cut answer. Uh, my my hope and my plan right now is to try to get into the Badgers Pro Day. But uh, I, I guess I really don't have an answer of, of where. The Badgers better be careful because if you show up at the Badgers Pro Day, you'll be the top prospect there considering what the Badgers fielded this year. Uh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> Taking the high road. I like it. Um, so if you were to be a team or a scout, you know, someone just, just watching your film, what would you say are the strongest aspects of your game? Strongest aspects that I, I play, you know, really fast. I, I play super physical and, you know, I've always been a, a huge effort player. Cause I think that's something that you can always control. And, and throughout a course of a game, you'll see how, how I can keep improving and adapting based on like what's happening. So if, if I lose one way, I'm not going to lose it that way ever again. And, uh, yeah, I think I play, you know, I think I play really fast, uh, you know, very, very powerful, but also, uh, you know, quick and nimble. Now, what do you feel is the part of your game that you would say needs the most improvement? I would say the part of the game that needs the most improvement would be, I guess, furthering my ability to just be confident in all three of the interior positions. You know, I do have a confidence to do that, but I think there's always something to work on and to add more, more skills. And, you know, people know me as a powerful kind of mauler type of, of lineman, but I think there's some, there's situations that, you know, if, if people know that you're that type of lineman, they're going to be constantly bracing or, you know, maybe putting themselves in a bad position. So maybe being a little bit more finesse with some type of blocks. And that was something that I had as a goal going into the 2020 season. Cause I knew, and that was uh, why I was watching a lot of Quentin Nelson film because, you know, he's a mauler most of the time, but there's some of those times where he'll chop you down and just stuff you into the ground. Well, Quinn, we've got to thank you for joining us tonight. This has been a great interview. We had a lot of fun. Wish you nothing but success. I know you can do great at the next level. Uh, whatever team drafts you, the Philadelphia Eagles or some other franchise is getting a quality offensive lineman. I know we're going to be seeing a lot of you on the field and starting, and starting unit, units at the next level on Sunday. So thanks for joining us, and good luck moving forward. Hopefully we'll hear your name be called relatively early at the end of April. I hope so, too. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Thank you, Quinn. We appreciate your time tonight. Now, before we wrap up this week's show, we'll quickly run through the AAC film from the 2020 season. First question for you, Tony, which player surprised you most on film? You know, it was a toss-up between Zayvon Collins, the linebacker from Tulsa, who's going to be a first-round choice, and James Hudson, the tackle from Cincinnati, who's going to be a day-two choice. I got to go with James Hudson, and primarily because Zayvon Collins was a good player in 2019. But prior to the season, James Hudson had started a single game on the college level, moves into the starting spot at left tackle for Cincinnati, and then just has a knockout season. I, I mean, was absolutely tremendous. Had a solid week of senior ball practices. I still don't believe he's going to be a left tackle at the next level, but I think he could be an athletic right tackle. And from a guy who went basically from being a complete no-name to a second, maybe third-round choice, probably second-round choice, I, I thought uh, really he exceeded expectations. Now, going in the other direction, 
Who would you say was the biggest disappointment? It would have to be Brandon Mack, the receiver from Temple, although there's an asterisk there because Temple was just terrible this season. I expected a lot more from Brandon Mack, 26 receptions for 291 yards and three TDs. That's more like tight end production than it is receiver production, and that was in seven games. Uh, So I I think Brandon Mack, who, while scouts graded him as a priority free agent, I had him as a potential sixth or seventh round pick. I think scouts are going to be right on this one because Mack is going to fall out of the draft or really didn't have any chance of getting selected. Now, kind of along the same lines, who are scouts overrating from the conference? I think it's Aaron Robinson, the cornerback from Central Florida. Now, he's popped up in a few uh, mock drafts as a first-round choice. That's not the case. But still, Aaron Robinson, who transferred from Alabama to Central Florida, he's a physically talented guy. He's got good size. He's explosive. He breaks up a lot of passes. But when you really watch the film – He struggles with his instincts. I mean, he's very late to react. He makes a lot of plays just physically beating down opponents to defend the throw. And you can do that on Saturday, but if you try and do it on Sunday, you're going to get consistently beat. Now, last question, Tony, before we head out for the night, which player saw their draft grade change the most based on what happened in the 2020 season? It's got to be, it's got to be Robin Robinson's teammate, Richie Grant. I mean, Richie Grant was a guy that, If you go back and listen to our AAC podcast over the summer, I had mentioned that scouts were grading him as a uh, free agent, and I had him as a third-round pick. Now, there were questions and concerns about his speed and his ball skills. During the season, he displayed solid ball skills, but he was spectacular uh, during senior ball week, basically just intercepting passes on a regular basis, doing it in the end zone, in the middle of the field, doing it on the flanks. We know he's a a, – heavy hitter when it comes to run defense and he's a guy who's always willing to lay it on the line against the run showed terrific ball skills i i think if he runs a decent time a decent time being low four fives richie grant's going to be a guy that was graded as a free agent before the season and at the very worst is going to be a middle round pick fourth round selection come april yeah, I mean, that was certainly great to see on, on Richie Grant at the Senior Bowl because he's a guy that we've been hyping up here for, you know, pretty much, as you said, since the summer. Even last year, uh, we talked about him when, you know, no one was talking about him. And, and to see him go out at the Senior Bowl and, and do what he did, even taking reps at corner and really showing the cover skills and the ball skills, you know, a guy at his height might help him certainly to have that versatility to play corner. But, I, I mean, you know, great things from Richie Grant, something we expected, but not something that a lot of other people expected. So it was good to kind of get that validation, wasn't it, Tony? Absolutely. And again, I mean, he, he did what Quinn Miners did. Uh, he basically went to the senior bowl and answered the questions that people had about him. And that's it for the 174th episode of the draft analysts presented by the believe sports podcast network. Do you believe if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review and feel free to ask us any questions and give any feedback that you may have as well. Special thanks go out to Quinn Miners for joining the show today, and we'll be back next week with more NFL Draft coverage. Until then, on behalf of Tony Pauline, I'm Chris Tripodi, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.